Positively Pro-Life, a podcast brought to you by the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. Positively Pro-Life brings you inspirational stories, important legislative updates, and informative interviews as we restore and strengthen a culture of life. I'm Bonnie Finnerty, Education Director at the Federation, and I am joined by my esteemed colleague, Maria Gallagher, the Legislative Director. Hello, Maria. Hello, Bonnie. It's great to be with you today. Well, great to be with you the day after a very big day in Pennsylvania. It was a primary election day yesterday, the culmination of a long primary season, a very busy season, with many candidates throwing their hats in the ring on the Republican ticket. The Federation's Political Action Committee issued a pro-life voters guide that was widely distributed throughout the state and accessed online thousands of times. Later in this podcast, Maria will provide an election update along with her thoughts on how the results will impact pro-life concerns in the Commonwealth in the future. Maria will also share a very important effort to ensure that women receive compassion and support rather than criminalization in the event of an abortion. But first, we'll begin today's podcast with a big dose of pro-life inspiration. On Monday, my husband and I went to see a film. It was in limited engagement, only showing two nights. Um, It was Monday and Tuesday, May 16th and 17th. The name of the film is called The Matter of Life. And it was simply outstanding. So very relevant and needed at a time such as this. Some of the very people featured in the film have been past guests on Positively Pro-Life. People like Philadelphia OBGYN, Dr. Monique Rubaru, and Save the Stork CEO, Diane Ferraro. The film was directed by a woman named Tracy Anderson, who was like many in society, kind of ambivalent or on the fence about abortion. She actually wrote, I was a pro-choice Christian. Actually, I never gave myself that label. In fact, I didn't give the ethics of abortion much thought. If I ever had to be, if I ever had to describe my point of view, it would have been personally pro-life. In other words, I don't wanna force my belief onto others. But then Tracy was invited to hear a speaker give a talk called The Case Against Abortion. And she found the presentation logical and enlightening and convincing. And knowing that many people are still in the dark about abortion, she felt compelled to make the documentary The Matter of Life. So what's in the film? Well, there's actually footage of abortion advocates at rallies and their arguments are showcased and represented in the film. There's also a compact history lesson um, throughout the film. They they talk about the women's movement in the 60s and the 70s and how it was kind of wooed into accepting abortion as a necessary part of their platform by two men, Dr. Bernard Nathanson and Larry Later. Also included in the history is the story of Norma McCorvey, later known as Jane Roe in the infamous Roe v. Wade case. Roe and its companion, Doe versus Bolton, legalized abortion through all nine months of pregnancy for any reason in the United States. There are also prominent pro-life apologists like Stephanie Gray Connors and Scott Klusendorf who are featured throughout the film to offer thoughtful and sincere responses to arguments for abortion. In essence, they say it comes down to one question. Are the unborn one of us? But this film, this documentary does much more than give pro-con arguments or provide a history lesson. There are deeply moving personal testimonies 
that reveal how how deeply abortion can wound not just women, but the, the men in their lives and their families. There's just really too much to mention about the film, but I do want to share a few highlights that really touched me. There was one woman who showed who shared her story of being raped at the age of 14 in a closet in her high school. She did get pregnant and her father urged her to get an abortion. She takes you through every detail of her painful journey and then reveals a beautiful ending that you will just love hearing. There was also a woman named Catherine Glenn Foster of Americans United for Life, and she made a very important point that I think is worth reflecting on. She is post-abortive, um, like many of the women who talked in the film, and she offers this important thought. She says, had abortion been illegal at the time that she sought one, she never would have gotten one. She wasn't willing to break the law. But as a young woman, she felt she was being told that because it was legal, it was okay. And now many years later, she regrets that decision. The film also includes four things that the abortion industry feels threatened by. And one of them I wanna just focus on, and that is that parents are the barrier to services at Planned Parenthood. Now, this point was elaborated on by a former Planned Parenthood employee who worked for 10 years teaching adolescent sex education. Her name is Monica Klein, and she will actually be our guest on this podcast on June 1st to talk about how the abortion industry divides children from their parents and encourages risky sexual behavior in children in order to secure lifelong customers. Because so many people don't really know what happens in an abortion, there is part of the movie where aborted fetuses are shown and viewers are warned so that they could turn away if desired. Now, it was really hard for me to see these tiny hands and feet and faces of these poor little babies that were denied the right to life. But I did make myself look at the screen just to validate the fact that they did exist and they need to be acknowledged. The movie ends with the contrite, repentant, and sickly Dr. Bernard Nathanson, the man who once was so pro-choice but then became so very pro-life, and he gives us this lasting message, let's stop the killing. The movie is just so, so powerful. You may have missed it in the theater this week, but The Matter of Life is available for churches or other organizations to host a viewing for the next month. And I will link to their website in the podcast notes. And I, for one, am very hopeful that this is a movie we'll see come out as a DVD or being streamed over the internet somehow, because I think many, many, many people, I think everyone needs to see this movie. Maria, I know you saw the movie. Do you have anything to add? I just thought it was a fantastic film. I thought that it was very good at explaining the pro-life issue to people who may not have much knowledge about it. And I thought it did it in such a way that was compelling and very straightforward and uh, very admirable. So I, I really appreciated the film. Yeah, I did too. And I know some other members of our staff went to see it and we all had the same feeling. So I hope many people get to see it, many more people. Thank you so much, Bonnie. The following is from a National Right to Life news release. The National Right to Life Committee, NRLC, the Federation of Right to Life Affiliates in each of the 50 states and the District of Columbia, 
joined with leaders from more than 70 state, national, and international pro-life organizations in issuing an open letter to the nation's state legislators, urging them to reject legislation and policy initiatives that would impose criminal penalties on women who have abortions. There are two victims in every abortion, the unborn child who loses her life and her mother who is left abandoned by the abortion industry to deal with any physical complications, as well as the emotional and psychological pain of the abortion trauma for months or even years to come, said Carol Tobias, president of National Right to Life. This joint letter recognizes that women who have abortions require our compassion and support, not criminalization. In their joint letter, the organization stated, as national and state pro-life organizations, representing tens of millions of pro-life men, women, and children across the country, let us be clear. We state unequivocally that any measure seeking to criminalize or punish women is not pro-life and we stand firmly opposed to such efforts. If the Supreme Court does overturn Roe versus Wade, they will be honoring the unambiguous division of powers described in the Constitution, returning abortion policymaking back to our elected state and federal legislators. This will be a tremendous opportunity for states to create durable policy that can stand the test of time. But in seizing that opportunity, we must ensure that the laws we advance to protect unborn children do not harm their mothers. We are America's leading advocates for life. We come from very different backgrounds and perspectives, but we are united in our mission to protect unborn children and American women from the greed of the abortion industry. We have been in this fight for decades. Many of us have dedicated our lives to this cause. We understand better than anyone else the desire to punish the purveyors of abortion who act callously and without regard to the dignity of human life. But turning women who have abortions into criminals is not the way. Today, as a movement, we call on state legislators to act with love and compassion toward women who have abortions and to enact policies that strengthen the life-affirming resources for abortion-vulnerable women in their states, Tobias added. Bonnie. Maria, thank you so much for that. That is a message that we need to make very clear to people today that we will not be going after women who have abortions. So yesterday was the primary election in Pennsylvania. Um, and so Maria is here to discuss um, some outcomes of the election as far as we know, and some of the implications that we um, will see as a result of um, those who are elected to the office. So yesterday's primary was one that was very, very busy one. It was a long primary season with many candidates throwing um, their hats in the ring for a Senate seat in Pennsylvania and for governor. So Maria, can you give us a recap of each of those races? Yes, Bonnie, I'd be happy to. This was a roller coaster ride of a primary in Pennsylvania. <laughs> I mean, there were so many ups and downs and, and turns and twists to this primary season. It was just incredible. In the end, we came up uh, with an interesting result in the U.S. Senate race, which is that um, the two candidates are basically virtually tied uh, for first place. And so there is going to be a recount. 
So those two candidates are Dr. Mehmet Oz and Dave McCormick. And so at, at this point in time, I believe only um, two tenths of a percentage point separate the two. So it's very, very close. And we have to count mail-in ballots. We're also gonna have to do a recount. So um, we still don't know the results of that particular race. Um, it certainly was a hard fought race among many pro-life candidates. Uh, every Republican candidate in the race for US Senate was pro-life. And um, that is a victory for us and, and for unborn children and their mothers, obviously. The winner of the Republican Senate primary will go on to face uh, Democrat John Fetterman in the fall. Unfortunately, uh, Mr. Fetterman is very pro-abortion. Um, he actually goes on Twitter and does Twitter rants on the issue of abortion. Um, he's backed by the abortion industry. Um, he has made abortion so-called rights the hallmark of his campaign. And so we're gonna see a real showdown in the fall between a pro-life candidate and a pro-abortion candidate. In the governor's race, we also have a distinct difference between the Republican and Democratic candidates. Uh, the Democratic candidate, Josh Shapiro, is the current attorney general of Pennsylvania. He's a staunch advocate for abortion. He even took the Little Sisters of the Poor to court uh, to try to get them to um, relinquish their um, religious convictions in order to abide by a pro-abortion Obamacare mandate. Um, he regularly does news conferences with representatives of the abortion industry. And um, even though uh, current governor Tom Wolf, a Democrat is pro-abortion, we think that Josh Shapiro as governor would be even more pro-abortion if that's even possible. On the other side of the fence, the Republican candidate who won, Doug Mastriano, is pro-life. He has a pro-life voting record in the state Senate, and uh, he was the author of the heartbeat bill. He also supports compassionate alternatives to abortion, um, such as Pennsylvania's Pregnancy and Parenting Support Program, which funds pregnancy centers and adoption agencies and maternity homes all throughout the Commonwealth. So in the fall, it's very important for pro-life voters to get out there and vote because we wanna see a pro-life US Senator and a pro-life governor in Pennsylvania once again. Absolutely, so with regard to the tie in the Senate race between Dr. Oz and Dave McCormick, um, if they do a recount, do we have any sort of timeline about when we'll know the result? It could be a couple of weeks from now. So um, perhaps in early June, we will find out the results, but we're gonna have to be very patient and play a waiting game at this point. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's good to know they're both vehemently pro-life. They will defend life um, and they've pled, they've made that pledge. So it's good to know that one of them will be up against John Fetterman, who, as you said, is very pro-abortion. Um, I think when I was younger, Maria, I don't think I fully understood the importance of state elections with regard to the pro-life issue. It was something that I came to learn about a little bit more as I got older. So I, would you take this opportunity to explain why these state elections, well, I know we have a senatorial election, that's federal, mm -hmm. but um, you know the governor's race um, and why any state elections are so important with regard to life issues like abortion or doctor-prescribed suicide. 
like you, when I was younger, I didn't really see a um, connection between the people in power and abortion. I thought abortion was legalized, that it was here to stay, that there was nothing we could do about it, and that it really didn't matter who you voted for as far as their position on abortion was concerned. But uh, as an older adult, I've recognized the fact that it is critically important to elect pro-life candidates to statewide office. For instance, the governor's office. Um, without a pro-life governor, we really cannot pass meaningful pro-life legislation in Pennsylvania. We're at a standstill. Um, we know, for instance, we passed the Down Syndrome Protection Act in the Pennsylvania House and Senate, but that was vetoed by uh, Governor Tom Wolf. We passed a dismemberment ban, which would have banned the cruel, cruel practice of dismemberment abortion, where a baby is torn limb by limb from the mother's womb. Governor Wolf vetoed that piece of legislation. Governor Wolf has vowed to veto any piece of pro-life legislation that crosses his desk. And so we're limited in terms of what we can do in Pennsylvania. We are fortunate that we have on the books already the landmark Pennsylvania Abortion Control Act, which provides for informed consent for abortion, 24-hour waiting periods for abortion, a ban on late-term abortion, parental consent for abortion, and a ban on sex selection abortions. And so that's an important piece of legislation that we need to protect in Pennsylvania. Um, but as far as getting additional legislation enacted, it's going to be very difficult without a pro-life governor. And similarly, we need a pro-life House of Representatives and a pro-life state Senate, um, because without those two bodies, we cannot pass meaningful pro-life legislation. So it's important for you as a voter to find out where your state representative and state senator and the opposing candidates stand on the issue of abortion and assisted suicide and to vote accordingly. And we're fortunate in Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation puts out a voter's guide uh, for both the primary and the general election. And the general election voter's guide is quite comprehensive. And we cover the US Senate race, the governor's race, the lieutenant governor's race, congressional races, and races for the Pennsylvania House and Senate. And we are hoping to establish a new uh, web-based system where you would be able to get a personalized voter's guide just by going to our website at paprolife.org. So that's an exciting development that we're looking forward to this year. It is, and I, I for one was just amazed about all the calls and the interest in our voter's guide. People really do look to that for guidance and look to us for guidance too. So um, I'm very excited about that new technology we'll be able to offer. So speaking of the general election in November, what can we expect leading up to that and what is at stake? Well, we can expect a, a difficult year of campaigning. It's, it's gonna be um, hard fought races all up and down the ballot. So that's why it's so important for all of us to get involved, to stay motivated and stay enthusiastic. A lot of uh, the election result is going to depend upon voter turnout. So we wanna make sure that pro-life voters in Pennsylvania turn out for the fall election. It's critically important this year. Uh, it may be more important this year than ever before. Um, and uh, what is at stake in that election 
is possibly control of the U.S. Senate because Pennsylvania has a key role to play in the race this year. Um, Senator Pat Toomey has decided not to run for re-election, and so we have to replace him. And it's very, very important that we replace him with a pro-life U.S. Senator. You know, we've seen the effects of having a pro-abortion U.S. Senator in Pennsylvania in Senator Bob Casey. Senator Casey started out as a pro-life lawmaker. He was against abortion. He was against Roe versus Wade. He voted for restrictions on abortion, such as a 20-week ban on abortion. But then gradually, he moved to the other side of the fence to the point where um, he was ready to vote for a piece of legislation, which could have been called the Abortion Without Limits Bill. It was called the Women's Protection Act, the Women's Health Protection Act. And that would have legalized abortion all throughout nine months of pregnancy for any reason or no reason at all. It was just appalling. And our Senator Bob Casey announced that he would vote for that legislation. And we cannot have another pro-abortion U.S. Senator coming from Pennsylvania. That simply cannot happen. The whole U.S. Senate is at stake here. And um, whether or not we have a pro-life majority in the Pennsylvania State Senate and State House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate, it all depends on the vote in November. So we all have to get out, get our friends out, get our families out and vote in November. And Pennsylvania is seen as the, the key state. I mean, we've gotten a lot of a national attention about these races. Um, it's that important. We've been um, watching national news. I've been seeing the focus on Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvania Senate race. Um, and so, yeah, every vote counts, especially when you're looking at these really close elections where there could just be, you know, two tenths of a percentage point, like you said, in the current race, um, every vote counts. So everybody does need to get, get out and vote. Um, Maria, if the Supreme Court does overturn Roe v. Wade, as is suspected by the leaked draft that um, was recently in the news, if Roe is overturned, what impact will that have on Pennsylvania and what will be our next steps? Well, I think, first of all, it would be a great moral victory if Roe versus Wade is overturned. We've been working for decades for that eventuality to happen. I've been working for decades for that. I've been praying every night for decades for that to happen. And if we see that happen, it's going to be a glorious day in Pennsylvania and throughout the United States, because finally, the issue of abortion will be returned to the states for the people through their duly elected representatives to decide abortion policy. Now, in Pennsylvania, the minute that Roe versus Wade is overturned, the situation will be that our state law will still remain in effect. And that is the Abortion Control Act, which I mentioned earlier. So abortion will be legal in Pennsylvania after Roe versus Wade is overturned, um, but we will have restrictions on the practice. Now in Pennsylvania, we face what could be the Roe versus Wade of Pennsylvania in the state Supreme Court, because there is a case now before the high court, which was filed by the abortion industry which wants to declare a so-called right to taxpayer funding of abortion and a so-called right to abortion under the PA constitution. And if that happens, we would lose our abortion control act. We would lose any and all safeguards for preborn babies and their mothers. 
So it's very important that in answer to this Supreme Court case, we pass the Life Amendment. And the Life Amendment would ensure that there's no right to abortion or taxpayer funding of abortion under the PA Constitution. It's been introduced in the Pennsylvania Senate and House. It's passed through a Senate committee. It could be voted on on the floor of the Pennsylvania Senate at any time. And then it would have to go to the Pennsylvania House. And it would have to be enacted by both the Pennsylvania House and Senate by August of this year. And then it would have to be voted on a second time next year by both the Pennsylvania House and Senate. And then it would go to the ballot for voters to decide. So this is a lengthy process, it's an involved process, but it is a necessary process to safeguard our pro-life laws in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I, I think we're all very hopeful that Roe v. Wade will be overturned, but yes, you're right. There's going to be a lot of work to be done, especially in our state. Maria, thank you so much for that recap. I really appreciate it. It's gonna be interesting to see how everything plays out. And um, who knows, maybe next week we'll have the results of the Senate race or perhaps by the week after, but we'll keep everybody posted. I do wanna mention that next week we have a wonderful guest. We've been so blessed every week with fabulous guests who do pro-life work in so many different ways. Um, next week, we actually are having Abby Johnson as our guest. Um, she's known for being a former Planned Parenthood director who converted to become pro-life, um, passionately pro-life, and for the last 10 years has been working in the pro-life uh, movement, exposing the lies of Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. She has authored the book Unplanned, and she has a new book called Fierce Mercy, which um, I'm just reading. Maria, I believe you've read it already. It's a fantastic book, yes. Yeah, oh, I'm so enjoying it. So I'm thrilled um, that we're gonna have Abby next week and I hope everybody can tune in to hear what she has to say. Um, also real quickly, just wanna mention our Celebrate Life Banquet, which is coming up um, October 21st in Hershey, Pennsylvania at the Hershey Lodge. All the information is on our website, including sponsorships and um, purchase of tickets. But our keynote speaker is going to be Dr. Ben Carson, and he will be our podcast guest on June 29th. So we are so very excited about that. And we're welcoming all of our listeners to check out our website, find out all the details and perhaps come out and see Dr. Ben Carson. He has an incredible message of life to share with everybody. Um, and we're so very, very excited about it. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Let's remember that Positively Pro-Life is made possible through the generous support of the members of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation all across the Commonwealth. The Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation is the largest single issue pro-life organization in the Keystone State with more than 40 local county-based chapters. We shine a spotlight on the most vulnerable individuals from the very dawn of life to the twilight of life. To learn more about the inspiring work of the Federation, please visit our website at www.paprolife.org. You can also find us on all major social media. Just look for PA Pro-Life. My thanks to my affable co-host, Bonnie Finnerty, and for you, the listeners who inspire us each week. And remember, there's always a reason to choose life.